With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. And today we're going to talk about something very dear to my heart, which is basically what happens when it just all goes to, you know what, despite your best efforts. So... I, I'm hmm, I'm making all sorts of hmm sounds because I don't know what Humph? to say about that harumph. Because when it happens, it just happens, and it always ends up being a cascade of horrible, no good, very bad, stressful events, right? Because the minute you're set up, the minute you've got yourself set up for that kind of thinking and that kind of mode, you know, it's the prospects aren't good. So you got to pull yourself out of a tailspin and pulling yourself out of a tailspin is never a good position to be in. So as we talk about a lot together, you and I, better to set yourself up so that you don't end up in dramatic tailspins. And the only way I know how to do that is, especially on a day-by-day basis, is with uh, morning practices. Because morning practices set you up. They take your they, they set your position in the day. They don't allow the day to just grab you and start taking hold. But what happens when you, for reasons beyond your control, don't have time for those daily practices is the, is the question, even for people that have set up those practices, even for people who have set up a system where they really can forestall a lot of the issues which plague people who just sort of meander through. Right. Let's, um, and let's assume just for the purposes of... of right this moment, that you're dealing with people who have have set up practices. It's just when, because the practices and the routines do go a, a, a fair amount of, they help. They definitely well, help. They do, but let me take it a step further. Let yeah. me tell you that for someone like me, okay, I'll just take me as an example. I have a series of very well-established practices that I do in the morning, as we've talked about for years now. Uh, and I really do them religiously in the morning. I, I, I rarely set about my day without doing them. But there are days and there are situations in life, and they can even be for extended periods of days, where life makes it impossible for me to do them. So for someone like me who has those very established patterns, when the pattern is interrupted, that can almost be more stressful, I think, than for somebody who simply has nothing in place at all. No, or I, at least, right? So it's almost worse in a way. So do you take yourself off and do it? Or it's not possible once you're in, It's hard to do in a hospital, for example. Right. I mean, it's what, hard to do in a hospital. It's hard to do when all of a sudden, you know, somebody rings your doorbell at eight because they're here to fix the pipe and then the, the blah, blah happens and the blah, blah happens. And then you've been dragged along into your day. Now, for me, again, let me say it this way. I kind of like it when that happens to me because it reminds me of the way that my clients and people that I'm talking to and people that I'm writing for on my blog feel. You know, after a while you get out of touch with that kind of a drift, anxious feeling that happens to a lot of people all the time. So I take it as a little bit of a blessing. (laughs) Always trying to find the silver lining so that I can feel what it's like people that really don't have those things in place and it's not a good feeling it's like an anxious pit of the stomach oh my gosh what's going to happen next what am I going to do there are people whose entire days and schedules are like that for example here at the radio station we start out with a plan but because so many things are contingent on other people and I'm not running a a veterinary practice here for example 
where you have. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is you have you have your set appointments, but you also are there, right. and there are emergencies. Of course, and, and that's really what life is. So we all we know that, and we know that we've got to be flexible to certain extent always. So there have to be contingency plans and there have to be contingency practices and ways to to deal with it. So, you know, for me, I will go and do uh, the 60-second, what I always call the 60-second meditation practice, which is really nothing but a series of breathing practices that I can rely on because they pull me back to some sense of quiet and like, okay, it's like a mini reset button. So there's a few tricks like that, little mini reset buttons that you can put in your toolbox and you can grab for on days or even extended times, like weeks, even for me, there's weeks when I just feel like, oh my goodness, I can't settle back into my rhythm and my routine of my morning practices. So I will rely on those. And those are, they're fundamentally series of of breathing type practices work the best because those not only have the rhythm and simplicity of something you've done before, which is comforting, but they also have a physiological effect, as we've talked about many times. The actual getting the breath deep into the body, into the tissues, into the bloodstream, really does help you think more clearly. There's a practice we call skull-shining breath, or kapalabhati breathing, and that is the practice where you breathe very rapidly in and out through your nose. Right? So you're pulling and pushing the air in and out. And that's called skull shining breath. And it's funny that we call it that because what the studies show, you know, when they illuminate different parts of the brain is that it actually, it activates the frontal lobe. And so you're actually cleaning and activating the part of the brain that needs, that that you need for cognition, which I think is very interesting. And right? pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So you've actually got, and, but what I started to say was that the, the comfort in a practice that you've done before, it gets you sitting and being in your body is enough in some sense. But it has this added benefit that the oxygenation and the actual you know, physiological changes in your body are also helping you to relax, to get more centered, to be more prepared to meet the tasks at hand. Uh, especially on a stressful day. So, you know, I answer my own oh, feeling of ah when I don't get to do my practices with yet more practices. But as we always discuss, you kind of got to have the toolbox full of practices at the ready or you won't know what to do unless you pick up the phone and call me, me, right. <laughs> you know, email me. Please Help, please what do I do? Right. <laughs> um, you know, so that's that's why these shows are useful. It's good to to figure out what's going to work for you. And so some things don't work for people. That practice, for example, that Kapalabhati practice can be, I, I won't be so strong as to say contraindicated, but it can be problematic for some people. It can make people who are very anxious feel more anxious because you're literally breathing fast. And I know uh, people who are like that. Um, you you have also said alternate nostril or counting. The, the, the fingertip thing that you mentioned is a really good one. Yes, the satanama, satanama. Again, it has several things that it's going to do. You're pressing the pads of the different fingers as you go, thumb to forefinger, thumb to middle finger, thumb to ring finger, thumb to pinky, in a repetitive way, and pressing you know, really pressing into the pad of the finger as you go. And that activates, in, in tantric practice, in esoteric practice, it, it 
it talks about relating to the air, the earth, the water, the fire, right? So you're, you're literally activating these different elements and we're all made of those elements. So you're literally saying, okay, let's feel into each of those things. And then those are pressure points on your fingers, literally acupressure points that help your circulation. So again, it's one of those multifaceted, multi-beneficial or like, you know, perfect for our culture, you know, multitasking practices, but it's very easy. Satanama, satanama, and you just keep going and it just, it regulates yourself. It regulates your mind. It gets you feeling a rhythm because a lot of times when the world assaults you or people are assaulting you and you're feeling stressed, you know, you're reacting to the world. You are in reaction to what the world is throwing at you. Whereas when you settle into a practice like this that you are in control of and that makes your body feel rhythmic and controlled, you feel better able to address whatever mm -hmm, is being thrown at you. So that's a good one. Alternate nostril breathing, one of my favorite tools in the toolbox, is... I'll just say it again because we've said it before, but alternate nostril breathing is the practice of breathing in through one nostril, holding, breathing out through the opposite, breathing in through that opposite, and breathing out through the first. And you achieve that by closing off the nasal passages with your hands so that you're breathing in through the left, hold, out through the right, in through the right, hold, out through the left. And you can hear when I explain it, the rhythmic quality of it. But again, on the added bonus multitasking front, you are um, activating the right and the left sides of the body. And the left side is said to be the lunar or the female energy, the cooling, soft moon energy. And the right side is said to be the male or the masculine, the sun energy, the energizing. And what you want to do is balance those two things. Because when those two are balanced, ha, sun and moon, the energies of restfulness and activity are balanced. So it's just very soothing and calming to the nervous system when you think of it that way. And again, you're bringing in more oxygen. We tend to breathe very shallowly when we are in stress mode. And that's why when you take a big, big, deep sigh, you can just feel automatically relaxed because you're breathing deeper into the lobes of the lungs. And deeper into the lobes of the lungs activates the autonomic nervous system, which is the calming nervous system, not the fight-or-flight response that happens when you breathe shallowly. So all those things, and I know we've talked about them before, but it's important to repeat them because they're all real. They're all you know, provable in Western science and discussed for 5,000 years in the yogic Vedic sciences and others. Um, and they're just, these are the tools in the toolbox. They are the sort of things to keep in mind, just real basics about the way your body works, about the way your body mind works. Because as, as you can see from what we're saying, some of it is mind, some of it is body, some of it's pure physiology, and some of it's just telling yourself, I can do this, I can be in my body, I can be calm. For people with real anxiety disorders and real problems in that regard, not so easy sometimes because really even trying to tell your mind, I'm going to be calm now, I'm going to be calm now, is anxiety provoking. Right. And I know that. And I want to just ask you a question. Let, 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 let's say that it's gotten ahead of you. These are, these are all good things. 
in writing the tailspin. Sometimes, though, it's just not possible. When do you just let it go? Well, I think that just completely depends. I okay. mean, if if you are in a situation that you know you cannot change the external, I mean, this is just intuitive, right? If you're in a situation where you know that you cannot change the influences and the, the outside forces that are acting on you, then you've got to relax and surrender to them because if you continue to fight them, it's not going to help. So you can either get out of the way of the moving truck <laughs> or you can lay down and let it roll over you. You know, you, you've got choices. But, th- but surrender avoid. is a concept that uh, one of the funniest things I swear I ever saw, and it still cracks me up to this day, is on a viaduct uh, on the Grand Central Parkway in Queens. Somebody had written, Surrender Dorothy, <laughs> across the top. And this was years and years ago. And it just always made me laugh because... The concept of surrender gets really – surrender is a concept that's as complex as power. Yes. And Really, yes. No, absolutely. no. It, it's got it's – got, there's a tremendous amount of, of nuance because proactive surrender, in other words, getting – yeah, that's a runaway truck. And my goodness, I'm in the path. I had best get out of the way. I'm right in the way. Oh, is, no. Is completely different than, oh, my God, I'm in the way of a runaway truck. Oh, my God. But surrender is a concept that, that is not, you know. Well, here's a good analogy. Does it roll off the tip of one's tongue? Oh, no, it doesn't. But here's, an, here's a way to look at it. This is, here's the metaphor. Or that's not even a metaphor. It's just a reality. If you are riding a horse and you are going to, or motorcyclists who learn to fall, or anybody that learns to fall, downhill skiers, you are taught to go limp because the minute you tense up, you're going to get hurt. You're going to break bones because your muscle structure is going to be congealed around the bones and you're going to break bones when you fall as opposed to being in total relax mode when you just kind of roll like the infant who falls and doesn't hurt themselves whereas you know the 15-year-old does. It's, it's as simple as that in that sense. I mean, it's just a good example of... Um, Easier said than done, I think, for many of us. But they literally teach you. If, if you're a horseback rider, you know this. They teach you to fall. And what they're doing when they teach you to fall is to relax and roll into the fall. Fall with it. Be in concert with whatever the, the thing is, whether it's a good force or a bad force at some point. So when you ask, what do you do? do you, what do you do at some point? Well, that's what you do. At some point, you just relax and roll with it. Because if you don't... You're going to have problems. Right. And it's also what's known as a gravity event, a gravity yes. event or a gravity incident. And and that kind of flexibility or that suppleness or that willingness, because if you are anxious and if you are bracing yourself, and this is why people are always amazed how certain people survive car crashes, for example, when they're just totally, totally over the limit. And it's because their bodies are just, they're, they're just, they're not, they're, they're going limp. They're not, they're not bracing themselves in a way that exactly. some, in, someone in possession of all of their <laughs> faculties. The moral of the story? Drink. The, no. No, but the moral of the story is understand what happens so that you can, um, I mean, obviously all kidding aside, so, so that you see the purpose of that going limp. And speaking of counterintuitive, I think that 
if if there's one thing that people are being encouraged to do more and more, it's stand your ground, brace yourself. You know, you, there, there seems yeah. to be far yeah, more encouragement so to do that yeah. than yeah. okay. How about, you know, like, let's try a little surrender. And it's funny because that is the antithesis of karate, for example. Yeah, but even in, the, even in those, I think actually not even, especially in those martial arts sports, and I'm not a martial artist, but I, I know that there's that, you know, you use your power against the other, but there's also you knowing use their when energy, to... But you use their energy. Exactly. Or, or their momentum. Momentum is a better word because energy But you have to taken. be responsive to it is the point. That, yes. And you, it's you, always you the have... same point. You have to know when to go forward and know when to sort of slide sideways and back to get out of the way. You know, you, there's, it's, it's called awareness. Right. Or... And, and so you've got to be aware of the situation you're in so you know which strategy to choose. So you have to strategize, but you also have to be s- surrendered to it. <laughs> Use the word to define the word, but... Yeah, and, and and somewhere in there, you know, and one of the most, do you know what I read in the New York Times Sunday Styles magazine some some months back? What mindful is the new uh, word? People are trying to be mindful, and you know, as as with certain trends, uh, the, the the whole point of the exercise becomes overlooked. But right. so while I'm a huge proponent of <clears throat> being mindful. I'm not, I, I, I subscribe to a certain definition, a particular definition of mindfulness that may not be what you see on TV. And that's, I, I, I find it necessary to say something like that, which annoys me, but still. <laughs> which, the as seen on TV? No, the, but what being mindful <laughs> actually looks like. I'm, yeah. I'm laughing, but the, speaking of definitions, um, because it requires a certain amount of, strategizing and and a firstly consciousness second observation and third strategy ability to strategize responsiveness yes you know just yeah yeah well there's no question and and all of these things do because here's the trick you can have a million tools in your toolbox and believe me i have had clients who happily blithely like the best students in the world learn all the tools but they just don't stay aware enough, I don't know how to say this, aware enough to know which ones to choose when, how to choose them, they're not motivated to use them. There's all sorts of things that happen between getting the tools and knowing how to use them. And that piece is awareness. Because if you're aware of what you need, then you know which tool to choose. If you're aware that you need a tool, then you will surrender and and use it. Um, but there's a lot between the, the practicality and the actual usefulness and using of it. How do you practice for the practices? How do you practice strategizing? Because I, I, I think that this is, in fact, a two-parter, and I don't quite know how people do it. Well, you know, I, as I'm teaching people the practices, so like the alternate nostril practice, as I'm teaching it, I explain the different ways that it actually works, for example what we just did, you know, to explain the kind of more Vedic tantric explanation, to explain the more Western explanation, all the different pieces that will get someone's mind to connect to what it's doing for them. And then working with people to sort of become more aware of what's going on in their body, they become more aware of what their body needs at a given time. And then they can, like a matchup game, you know, those games when you have the two lines and you're supposed to draw a line between the two that go together, right? Absolutely. 
right? So then people begin to be able to do that. They can match up their emotion or state of being with the tool that's going to help them. And, you know, um, it's like we talked about uh, last week or two weeks or three weeks ago, the qualities, you know, having that list of opposite qualities, will, that's an exercise in helping you to be more aware of how you're feeling. So that once you can pick how you're feeling, you know, light and airy and anxious, then you can look across the chart and say, ah, light and airy and anxious, well, I'll need a grounding breathing practice to help me. So maybe I'll just do a three-part breathing with holding the air in and breathing out very slowly. You know, so you'll, you'll start to be able to match those things up intuitively, <laughs> eventually. And also, the more you practice them, the more you know how they make you feel which is more important than being told how they will make you feel. Right. And then you know what shortcuts you can do. Or you know that if you go outside and 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 yell, that might, you know, that that might do it for the yeah, moment. Yeah, but let me repeat that one. The more you practice them, the more you will know how it makes you feel so you don't need to ask anybody anymore. You will know that that thing makes you feel good and you'll go for it. You know, the same works in reverse. Things like people who comfort eat uh, sweets, for example. Now, some of that is craving for sweets because of emotional and whatever imbalances. Some of it's habit. Some of it is the habit of knowing when I eat this, I will make me feel better. And that's classic comfort eating in the habitual sense. And that's the same thing. It, they have become inured to the idea and to the feeling in their body that if I eat that pint of ice cream, boy, I'm going to feel better. And you know, it's fallacious thinking because it has all kinds of repercussions and it doesn't really make you feel better for more than about two seconds, blah, blah, blah. But the basic concept is there in the negative. Now, what you want is that basic concept to be built into your system in the positive. What, what are you going to cultivate? Which things are you going to use so that you feel good, look good, and manage your stress? Because that's what you're really trying to do for the most part, to live a better life you know, life, <laughs> to be more in the flow of what's going on. Right. No, absolutely. And I just, in, in our final minute, I this seems weird, but let's go back to surrender for one more second, because surrender mm -hmm. isn't, surrender isn't acknowledging defeat. No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. It's figuring out how you're going to work with it, how it's going to serve you. It's that martial arts concept. Here is the energy that I'm confronting. I'm not going to surrender to it so that it, it vanquishes me. I'm going to surrender to it so that I can make it part of me and get to where I want to go. <laughs> it's important to always think of things in the positive and not as a victim of things. Because if you surrender as a victim, then all sorts of terrible things are going to happen. You might get your head chopped off. For example, and that's just for example. That, that's just a place to start. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. You can also find her on her blog at lawlife, L-A-H-Life dot com. Thank you.
सुकून 